Good morning, everyone. It is the 5th of July. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Alex Byrne and Asim Kadri. Well, the inflation debate raged on last week. There's strong divergence in views about this current bout of inflation. Is it indeed transitory or will it be lasting and damaging? And we've even seen this divergence cropping up within the same institution, such as indeed the Bank of England. But the US non-farm payrolls were the highlight as far as macro data went, Alex. Morning, Lorna. That's correct. So we had a number of 850,000, well above the 720,000 that was expected. And that was obviously following the weaker numbers that we had in May and April. So causing some pressure on a political landscape for Biden has been eased slightly. That helped the S&P and the Nasdaq move to new all-time highs. And it resulted in the fifth straight quarterly gain for both of those indices. So as well as the strong jobs numbers, we also had strong numbers elsewhere. Jobless claims also fell by more than forecast, but the unemployment number grew slightly to around 5.9% from 5.8%. And that's against the targets for 4.5% this year and 4% long term of the Fed. A strong number also in wages, a 0.3% increase, which means that on a year-on-year basis, wages have increased 3.6%. And there's obviously lots of anecdotal evidence of specific low-paid jobs, especially having significantly higher increases than that. As well as the indices, we saw bond yields trade slightly lower as some of those inflation fears lessen. But all of these numbers are kind of more in line with what we'd expect from a stronger recovery against what we saw in May and April. Thank you. And kind of a widespread positive market reaction there. And we had quite an interesting market reaction to the centenary celebrations for the Chinese Communist Party, Asim. Hi, Lorna. Yes, that's right. So last Friday saw Chinese stocks suffer their worst day in three months following the Communist Party's centenary celebrations. So the CSI 300 index, which is the largest domestic X3 index, sold off by just under 3%, its largest one-day fall since March. Chinese stocks have made some pretty decent gains recently, so profit-taking is now understandable. And last week, the equity market had been pretty calm ahead of the centenary, really due to the expectations that authorities would support the market until the celebration ended. However, that calm was replaced by concerns about the country's economic outlook and also the potential headwinds for the global economy in the second half of the year, such as inflation and interest rate rises, as we've spoken about previously. Furthermore, President Xi's speech during the celebrations made little mention of measures to support the Chinese economy or markets. And evidently, that also caused disappointment for investors who expected more. And staying with you then, Asim, and moving on to the big ESG story of the week, it seems the deal on a minimum global corporate tax rate has been approved. What is the significance of this? Yeah, that's all right. So just for a bit of background to start with. So the world's largest economies last week signed up to a plan to force multinational companies to pay a global minimum corporate tax rate of at least 15%. And that was following discussions at the OECD meeting in Paris. So the agreement is expected to ensure that the largest companies pay at least $100 billion more in taxes, with more of that money going to the countries where these businesses do most of their business. So the agreements among 130 countries that account for 90% of the global economy. So clearly a significant deal. And really the plans are intended to force multinational companies and in particular tech giants to pay a fairer share of tax and really prevent them from shifting profits into tax havens. And that's going to be really enabled by ensuring that signatory countries have the ability to tax these companies based on the revenue generated within their borders. So clearly it's a landmark moment for the OECD and it really builds on the tax agreement between the G7 and London last month. Yes, indeed, a landmark moment for the OECD. And we have OECD forecasts coming through for this week, and we're expecting them to be upgrading their global growth forecast. We've had, Alex, 
various manufacturing PMI data from around the world, possibly coming off the boil a little. But what are your expectations for the service sector PMI data and those are due this week? Possibly. Services, I would expect her to continue to move ahead as it's still in this kind of recovery phase that it's been in for the last two or three months. You've still got clearly a very high number in manufacturing, but it's down from the peaks that it was. But overall, this gives you know a very high PMI number overall. For services, the reason I think this recovery can continue is that we've still got parts of the economy that are still unlocking overall. Parts of the economy are still hugely down from what they were in pre-pandemic levels. So if you think about leisure and travel, industries that are connected to working from home and central offices are still massively down from what they would have been at the peak. Overall, the number's very high. The manufacturing number's down from peaks, but remain fairly high. And we expect services numbers will continue to recover from part of the economy being unlocked. Yes, indeed. And finally, then, we expect the minutes of the June meeting from the US Federal Reserve. Perhaps a bit more clarity on the Fed's more hawkish stance. If you remember, we had some of this flip-flopping in the last month or so where the Fed was kind of almost testing the market about what their reaction would be if we begin to talk about tapering. The surprise this month was obviously within the dot plots, there was a, a certain amount of movement which caused the expectation for two rate hikes for the end of 2023, which is obviously against consensus of no change. The rationale for this may be the fact that the more backward-looking inflation now looks like it's more than 2% or it exceeds that 2% target. We could get in the next quarter some of this initial talking about tapering with some expectation that September might give us some clues that we could start the initial tapering at the start of 2022. But obviously the risk at the moment is that they would get early surprises as has been tested to the market. Very much a sense of changing rhetoric there. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Thanks, Lana. Lana. And for more insights from Architas, just head over to our website. You'll find more podcasts there, videos and articles, and also our brand new research on investor attitudes to ESG and to responsible investing. Just go to architas.com forward slash insights.